0: Hey, movie daters. Rafer and I are currently in the back of a cab. What's the intersection we're at right now, Rafer?
1: We are at, uh, oh, I can't quite see it. You know, the problem is I'm too tall, so I never see out the windows to see what the street signs are.
0: Rafer. All right. Anyway, folks, um, anywho, we are on our way to the Waldorf Astoria to interview the great Scarlett Johansson. And we're going to have that interview for you guys shortly.
1: But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday.
0: And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Movie Date.
1: So before we get to Scar-to.
0: Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett Johansson,
1: let's talk about another Scarlett Johansson movie. Actually, uh, that's that's we're going to be talking to her about a movie called Under the Skin. But first, let's uh, review her other movie that's out this week, which is Captain America, a slightly bigger release, wouldn't you say?
0: I don't know this movie, Captain What? Captain, Captain- America.
1: <laughs> sorry, I should have specified the subtitle: Captain America: colon, The Winter Soldier. So now, Kristen, as I recall, when we walked out of this th- screening together, you seemed confused. Well,
0: the the first one was so straightforward. The yeah. first one's so obvious. It's, you know, like any World War II, good guy, bad guy, Nazis, Americans. You know, it's that kind of movie where we're just fighting for good. This one is a little bit more complicated. You might recall that at the end of the first one, Captain America gets cryogenically frozen and then wakes up in modern-day America having to fight modern-day evils, which are frankly more complicated than just good guy, bad guy, allies, Nazis.
1: That is correct. And uh, that's where we pick up uh, this time with Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., his uh, agency, the superhero agency led by Nick Fury, uh, played by Samuel L. Jackson, has been compromised. There's been an attack on Nick, and uh, Captain America, played by Chris Evans, finds himself uh, tethered basically to one of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s least trustworthy agents, Natasha Romanoff, played by Scarlett Johansson. The two of them are going to have to find out who has infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and what they can do about it. Here's a clip.
2: Did you do anything fun Saturday night?
1: Well,
0: all the guys from my barbershop quartet are dead, so no, not really.
2: You know, if you asked Kristen out from statistics, she'd probably say yes. That's why I don't ask. Too shy or too scared? Too busy!
0: Just love that ScarJo there. She's just teasing him, trying to get him to date. Get into the modern times. That's right. It's a different world now. Get with it, Captain America. <laughs> That's
1: right. So yeah, the film opens up with Captain America jogging around uh, Washington D.C. <laughs> so funny. And uh, you know, someone suggests that he listen to uh, Marvin Gaye. Someone mentions Marvin Gaye, and he says, "I'll have to write that down." And he keeps a little little yellowed notebook full of things to try out, one of which is Thai food, and the other is Nirvana (parentheses ban. <laughs> So uh, I I liked that touch. It shows you that Captain America is now in his 90s, basically part of the greatest generation, but he's been brought into the modern world and he's trying to grapple with all these new things. And I think um, really the newest thing that he's trying to grapple with is uh, America's obsession with surveillance, which is a huge topic in this film, um, the idea of surveillance versus privacy rights versus uh, national security. How did you... Find that this played out. Did this? Did you like this subtext? I, I
0: found it a little bit baffling at times because, um, as I was saying, good guys and bad guys were so simple in the old days. Right. Nowadays, they're so much more complicated, and I felt that they made them even more complicated than they needed to be in this movie. Okay, who's on which side? Shield versus what's that other thing called?
1: Well, I don't think it's. I, don't, I think we shouldn't spoil it. Oh, actually, oh, it's a little. I'm, I think it's a little bit of a, a spoiler to say who's behind all of this. Uh, <sighs> Monkey business Just with a shield.
0: confusing. And then in addition to finding it confusing. Uh, this time around, I felt some of the chase scenes just go on so long. Samuel L. Jackson, the very first car chase scene with him.
1: Oh, yeah. that's. A, I thought that was actually quite a good I, car I, chase scene. I was like,
0: wow, is this ever going to end? Are you still chasing?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Oh, uh, one man. thing,
0: Chasing and chasing and chasing.
1: I think the one thing this film does have going for it is uh, the direction by uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, who are brothers, and it's been sort of a... It was a surprise to people that they were given the second Captain America film because uh, their last film that you would recognize was You Me and Dupree. With, <laughs> <laughs> with o- Why would I recognize that? Rafer? Right. Well, I'm just saying, and uh, and yet I think they do it actually in terms of the action a really good job. I love that chase scene with Samuel L. Jackson. I thought it I thought it sort of built from one stage to another stage to another stage. And his
0: vehicle's pretty good. Yeah, his
1: vehicle's very good, and um, and I thought the. Hand to hand combat in this film was also really good and really tough and a lot rougher than I think you see in a lot of PG thirteen films, and I liked that.
0: I'm kind of surprised the old director didn't come back because first one's so pretty.
1: Yeah, yeah, Joe Johnston. Yeah, that's uh, right. Who that's did right. the Rocketeer? Yeah, um, he, he's
0: great, and you and I both love the aesthetics of the first one. I yeah, remember, well, but...
1: the, the first one was beautiful. I mean, the first one was really something close to a work of art, I thought, and yeah. this one I think is just standard comic book blockbuster entertainment, and I think it works pretty well. I think maybe. What you what you were missing, and certainly what I was missing, was kind of an emotional depth. The first mm. the first one was very romantic, and that's true. So, a last quick question before we deliver our verdict on this film: How did you like Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce? <laughs>
0: I it was a fun surprise, but completely out of place. <laughs> oh, really? No kidding. How come? Because I, I, it's Robert Redford. <laughs>
1: <laughs> too classy, too a list for you.
0: He's so classy. He's so a list.
1: I thought he worked actually really well. I thought um, he, you know, he ra- reminded me. It's different, but he reminded me of Philip Seymour Hoffman in I think it was the third Mission Impossible film, which was not a very good movie. But Philip Seymour Hoffman was so good and so real and so kind of. Uh, he seemed to come directly from the real world, and that's what I liked about Robert Redford's character. He seemed like a very real politician with his fine gray suit and his, you know, little silver temples and, and his, his glasses. Potentially
0: corrupt ways. Yes,
1: right, yes. exactly, and he was cool and slick and smart, and I thought he worked really well, and I, I thought he gave the film a little bit, little bit of heft that it, that it needed, but ultimately, I would say it's an okay date. It's oh, a perfectly okay I was getting the impression that you were going to
0: say it was a really good date. But...
1: No, no. I think it has a lot of good things working for it. Um, it's just not as emotionally engaging and, and not as great looking as the first one. But I think it's okay.
0: I thought it was fine.
1: Fine. Yeah. But
0: I, 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 it didn't leave me with the special When you say fine, <laughs>
1: you, say, you, say, you say it as <laughs> I, if to mean less than fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't mean fine like capital F, capital I, capital <laughs> N, capital E, like when I see a good looking fella on the street. I don't uh. mean fine. I mean – Yes, no.
1: you'll do <laughs> okay.
0: not a great date sorry not a great date
1: alright well on our continuing non-stop Scarlett Johansson theme for this podcast uh, we interviewed her about a new film she has coming out with the director Jonathan Glazer it's a science fiction film called Under the Skin in which she plays a I guess you would say a femme fatale alien mm-hmm. who comes to earth and is preying on earthlings so we'll play that interview for you shortly
0: here with Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett, thanks so much for being here today. Sure, thank you for for coming to talk to me. So we are really excited about this new movie. We have a lot of questions about the new movie. And, Rafer, I'm going to let you start off with one of your questions.
1: Okay, I wanted to start off by saying you have been in a fair amount of sci-fi, sci-fi, fantasy, superhero kind of things. Is that Preference Is that personal preference, you a sci-fi fan, or is that just more kind of circumstance because that's what's popular these days?
2: I don't know. I I mean, it's not um, necessarily something that I look specifically for, but maybe the rules are easier to bend in the science fiction genre. Maybe, you know, because we are not tied down to a specific time and place or necessarily things that we can relate to day to day. It allows for greater possibilities, whether that's, um, you know, in a relationship between not necessarily two of the same species or even something that's really alive or, or what does that even mean? Um, you know, I mean, it allows for us, I think, in a way, once we kind of are sort of liberated by the social norm, we can explore themes and relationships that are much more... Um, delicious in some ways. You know?
0: And it's not just the themes that are unusual and delicious. You also shot the movie in some unusual and delicious ways. Most of your characters' interactions with humans are actually shot with non-actors. You're driving around Scotland asking real people for directions, in some cases giving them rides. Did any of them recognize you? And what was that
2: like? I've never been a person that's been like a Jokester, prankster—I don't like any of that. Like candid camera stuff. I mean, for me, it gives me—it gives me incredible anxiety. Um, just the, to lose kind of control, to give up control. And I think once I realized that I couldn't control the situation, I realized the benefit of taking the risk was much greater than, you know, whatever the failure of that risk could be. And it resulted in a lot of really, really fascinating encounters with people. And it's amazing how trusting people really are and um, open to share all kinds of details about where they're going, where they came from, who they're married to, what their expectations are. I mean, people are, you know, people want
1: to connect, I think, with one another, um what about this movie attracted you was it the script was it the director had you read the book or what
2: I originally became involved with this project several years ago the script was much more of a what I would imagine a science fiction kind of type of film would be you know these it was a two-hander you know female character male character both aliens of the same kind of species and they were sort of trying to Submerge themselves in this small village, and it was a much more. And the and the townsfolk were kind of a part of the story. or are they going to be found out, etc.? And it was much more of a contained kind of idea. And you know, when I met with Jonathan Glazer at that time, the director of Under the Skin, he almost seemed like he was trying to convince himself that this was a story that he could tell or try to figure out what his angle was going to be given those guidelines of that script and you know it was only a matter of time before that was all sort of canned and he sort of i think he felt liberated by being able to um follow this kind of alien perspective and so the project could be much more sort of transient and um you know kind of epic in a way now this character you play the
0: one that glazer decided to center the whole film around has been described as an alien sex predator serial killer. How would you describe her?
2: You know, the things that are happening in the character's mind before she sort of begins to kind of, I don't know, individualize, I would say, um, is, uh, you know, really primal. I mean, she's a different species. It's not, um, you know, she's not good or evil. She has no moral compass. You know, this character, Walt might seem evil to us kind of watching it, the darkness in her is just purely what we're kind of putting, you know, imposing onto her. Um, and so the fact that the character doesn't say anything, it was sort of a reminder that she's not necessarily, not that she's, um, you know, like vacant, but that she's just Shut off the human in quotes part of her is just turned off
1: it, it's it 's a role that um, that has very little dialogue, so was that a challenge for you, trying to figure out other ways to convey what was happening also convey what was happening in the mind of someone who is not human
2: I know no, none of my experiences in life or you know preconceived ideas or whatever judgments you know, none of those things were relevant at all to this character because she's a different species. And so whatever thoughts that I might have that kind of came in and out, you know, the performance was almost like a a meditation in a way because, you know, those thoughts just had to come through and like leave and not stay there. Otherwise, like it was very obvious that this character was having an inner life, which, which she doesn't have to begin with. It's just completely
0: the opposite of your last big movie, Her, which is all your voice. Is that something you consciously thought about?
2: Um, in her, of course, the character can want for a body. But anyway, that's it. It was totally cerebral. And then, of course, in, in Under the Skin, um, for a large portion of the film, again, the character is only experiencing things through her you know, physical body. She, and, and I'm actually almost without an awareness of her physical body until later on. It's just sort of mimicking or you know, without any thought at all. And so, you know, as an actor, you kind of, you get this wonderful challenge of being able to really focus on mimicking and focus on the physicality of people, how they relate to one another, the spatial relation between people, what that means, you know, really like kind of primal way. And, you know, the other is really about the nuance of the vocal performance, the intonation, you know, being acutely aware of what you sound like. And, trying to not be critical of that um these different different challenges i guess but uh i feel very fortunate that i able to do challenging work like that well we feel
0: fortunate that we got to sit down and talk with you today we are just so thrilled we got this chance thank you so much scarlett johansson thank you so much pleasure You know, she had actually interviewed with I don't know, like at least thirty other people that day. By the time we got to her, yeah, and she still had just such warmth and energy. Yeah, I really loved that about she her. She was very,
1: very, very talkative, which is uh, I always think is very impressive when you catch a celebrity late in the afternoon on Junket Day. Uh, but she was uh, she was terrific. It was yeah. a lot of fun.
0: And the one thing that you wanted to ask her on mic, but you had to ask her off mic because we ran out of time
1: was oh, about yeah.
0: the music she's been listening to because she's a singer also. Right, and you're she's always a singer. Lo- and you used to be a rock critic and you're always looking for new music suggestions. Do you remember what she suggested?
1: I did. She said that the, that the last thing she got thoroughly into was Grimes, the indie rock band Grimes. So we bonded on that for a little bit. But uh, her latest purchase, she said, was uh, Lil Wayne. Yeah, so love she, that. She's a Lil Wayne fan. <laughs> love that. So there you go.
0: So great. So um, Scarlett Johansson, she was great. But you know what else is great?
1: movie therapy. Indeed, indeed. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed.
0: Ready to get on the couch, Rafer?
1: I'm ready as always, Kristen. Hi, Rafer and Kristen. It's Tess calling from Detroit. I'm calling with a movie therapy question. This week, I will turn 34. And while I'm not upset about being 34, I am undeniably in my mid 30s. We're here. We're adults. This is it. So I wonder what kind of movies you would recommend for a young woman in her mid-30s to celebrate, not cope, with aging. Um, I know you guys will make great recommendations. I love the show. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Tess from Detroit. Thank you so much for calling us. Yes. Thanks, Tess. We love it when you call us at 5717movies with your movie therapy questions where you have your life issues and Rafer and I are – here to prescribe movies for you with absolutely no medical expertise in the slightest.
1: That's right. And I was also, I want to say, more of a consulting physician on this, <laughs> on
0: this one. Because you, you've never <laughs> been a woman in your mid-30s, <laughs> nope, have you? of
1: any age, I actually. have been a
0: woman in my 30s. I, I certainly have. And so, Rafer, we actually both, when we were researching this and dealing with your question test, we both kind of came up against some walls here.
1: You get a lot, of, a lot of movies about teens and 20s, and then you get a lot of movies about 40s and beyond. But the 30s are this kind of invisible invisible area for women, this window where they seem to kind of vanish from from Hollywood.
0: Yeah, but we did manage to come up with a pretty long list, which we narrowed down to five movies. So the first one that we would recommend is Woman of the Year. Katherine Hepburn is in her late 30s in this movie. And she and Spencer Tracy are both journalists. They love their jobs. They're great at their jobs. She actually is so good at her job that she is given the title of Woman of the Year.
2: What we fought for was not only the privilege of equal rights and a just share in the determination of state policy, but also the grave responsibility which accompanies that privilege. Today, the women of the world are faced with the first major test of their fitness to meet that responsibility. Our place is no longer only in the
0: home. In addition to being great at her job, she's trying to deal with her romance with Spencer Tracy. The strangest
1: couple (laughs) on screen. The strangest, (laughs) strangest couple, and yet they worked.
0: They did. And so this is about really just coming into your own in your late 30s, really being great at your job, and trying to figure out the romance, too. It's a very smart movie. I highly recommend it.
1: I think that's an excellent choice. Uh, this, our second choice for you is uh, perhaps a, coward, a counterintuitive choice Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz playing, uh, well, a bad teacher.
2: Anyone seen Stand and Deliver? Show of hands. Are you kidding me? Wow. All right, you and you grab the TV and roll it up front. We're watching a movie on the first day? I think it's awesome. You rock.
1: She's a high school teacher so bad. <laughs> who really doesn't want to be one. She'd rather just be a trophy wife or some rich man. But, of course, uh, things, uh, things intervene. She begins to get in touch with her students. She finds a very, very different romantic interest, played by Jason Siegel, who is certainly not going to make her a trophy wife of any kind. And uh, as things develop, she may learn a little bit about herself in the process. And that's uh, we chose that one because it's a movie about a woman in her 30s who is going through a self-reinvention, um, and something that I think you don't get to see a lot in uh, in movies about 30-year-old women. <laughs>
0: Another movie we love is When Harry Met Sally, and Meg Ryan is playing Sally in this movie. She's in her mid-30s at the end of it. At the beginning, she's supposed to be fresh out of college. But it's the ups and downs of romance, life in New York, dating, friendship, uh, when those friendships go from platonic to romantic, back to platonic, to resentment, to love, and She's just doing the things that normal people do. She's not so crazy and neurotic that she's a Woody Allen character. She's not a superhero. She's not a mess. She's just a regular person. And I always loved watching this movie and just looking at her and saying, yeah, this is just kind of life.
1: What I'm saying is, and this is not a come on in any way, shape or form, is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true.
2: I have a number of men friends, and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge?
1: No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. And I I liked the um, the sort of, I guess you might call them the flash-forwards to the older couples that oh, are interviewed wow, so in the movie. I think that works well. It's not it's not a trick that I, that I always like in movies, but I think it works well in Harry Met Sally. And Kristen, you had a pick that I thought was very smart and for a very interesting reason, Julie and Julia.
0: Yeah, no, Julie and Julia, the Julie parts. Amy Adams, in her 30s, um, is playing Julie, who is a real-life blogger. This is based on her own memoirs of being a blogger, trying to do the entire French cooking cookbook of uh, Julia Childs, and so she wrote a blog where she did a different recipe every single day of the year. This got adapted into a movie where we go back and forth in time between... Julie and Julia Childs. The Jul-
1: Meryl Streep, of course.
0: I was so hoping that, uh, well, for something a little more
1: advanced,
0: Madame Brassard.
1: But you are not an advanced cook. But
0: I do know how to boil an egg.
1: Do you know how to bone a deck? No,
0: but that's exactly the sort of thing that I'm very interested in learning how to do. Mm. Julia Childs is so great. Julie, eh, take her yeah, like the a, part's not so interesting. Some people like her. She's in her 30s also if you want to look at her. But Julia Childs, let's remember, she didn't get married until her mid-30s. She didn't even take her first cooking class until her late 30s. What a great inspirational story that is, that you can really pretty much be anything at any point in your life and not even start until your late 30s. How great is that? And as we know, Julia Childs just got better and better and better over time. Her 30s? That was fine, but then wait until her forties, fifties, sixties. Boy,
1: really? That's wow. Talk about talk about coming into your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great choice. Okay, so our final choice that we both agreed on. Miss Congeniality.
0: Reefer loves this movie. I
1: love this movie. Sandra Bullock, I really think it might be her finest moment, although I also like her a lot in Demolition Man, strangely enough, with Sylvester Stallone.
0: And let's not forget the heat. And let's, <laughs>
1: let's not forget the heat. But Miss Congeniality really is a great, great, charming movie. It's about, a, again, it's about a woman who's coming out of her comfort zone. She's in her mid-30s. She's an FBI agent. She has to play in one of those preposterous plots. She has to play a beauty pageant queen to infiltrate some kind of underground something or other. None of that matters. What's really fun is to watch Sandra Bullock get in touch with her feminine side and go through something very different that she's accustomed to. Let's play a clip.
2: New Jersey. As you may know, there are many who consider the Miss United States pageant to be outdated and anti-feminist. What would you say to them? Oh my God.
0: Well, I would have to say I used to be one of them. And then I came here and I realized that these women are smart, terrific people who are just trying to make a difference in the world. And we've become really good friends. That's Sandra Bullock. She can be I, good fun. She, she really can. She really good she fun. Really can. She's such a relatable every woman. And, um, but I do have to tell you, I recently saw an episode of The Bionic Woman. Oh, yeah? That is this exact same plot as Miss Congeniality. <laughs> is it is exactly right? the same plot. It's even Miss United States. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> the completely fictional Miss United States. Oh,
0: my God. It's just I, – I watched this episode. I'm like – I can't believe Miss Congeniality just totally copied Bionic Woman, a is, plot from the 1970s.
1: That is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Wow. Good sleuthing, Kristen. Good sleuthing. See, nothing escapes Dr. Mindzer.
0: <laughs> well, we want to hear all your movie therapy questions. Call us about anything, about life, about love, about your job. We will prescribe some movies using absolutely no expertise. Just we'll make all this stuff up. Just call us at 5717movies and also use that number to call to give us your trivia answers. What did we ask last week, Rafer?
1: Last week, we were talking about Noah and uh, the idea that there really aren't that many biblical epics out there, let let alone movies about Noah in particular. You get a lot of Jesus movies, not so many movies about Noah, but we we did identify a movie that uh, involved a flood and an ark, and we played this clip.
2: What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that.
1: Would you do that? And we asked you to name that movie, and here's the right answer. Hey, Rafer and Kristen, this is Jill. I'm calling from Shanghai, China, and I'm really glad I can still get the podcast over here. It's a really nice taste of home. Um, I was just going to call to answer the trivia question this week. It was Evan Almighty um, with the
0: great Steve Carell. Thanks so much. Bye. Jill in Shanghai. Jill, we're so glad you're still listening. We remember when you relocated and calling us from Shanghai. That's fantastic. I hope the long distance bill wasn't too high for that.
1: Yeah, really. Well, uh, (laughs) At this rate, we're going to be kissing your grandkids at some point. You've been with us for so long.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for calling, Jill. And uh, we want to remind you, when we put out that trivia question, you can answer it anytime because we just randomly pick one right answer. You can call uh, Thursday night, you can call Saturday morning, you can call any day of the week and we just randomly pick one right answer. That's right. So let's talk about this week's trivia question.
1: This week's trivia question in honor of, again, Scarlett Johansson.
0: Oh, Scar Because
1: we just couldn't get enough of her.
0: Can't get enough of her.
1: So in Under the Skin, uh, she plays a an alien who lands in Scotland. She has a British accent And this is not the first time that Scarlett Johansson, clearly American, has adopted a British accent. We found one other movie. We're going to play a clip for you. Here it is. And you're married? Yes, Your Grace.
2: To William Carey. Then
1: why haven't I seen you at court?
2: Because I've persuaded him to spend a year or two here first. We have a small manor. Nothing much but enough to start a family.
1: If you know that movie... In which Scarlett Johansson is doing her best to sound British. Oh. Give us a call, five seven one seven movies.
0: And as always, you can visit us at Facebook.com slash movie date podcast.